everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Brett, and uh, we have a very special episode uh, for you today. Before I hop into today's episode, um, I just want to let you know that we have set up a community space. So this is a private Facebook group. Uh, you can check out the show notes, and um, I would love to meet you in that group. Um, you know, we've got listeners from, I think, 55 or 57 countries last time I checked. And uh, I would love to meet you in person and connect with you there. The sort of main thrust behind that Facebook group, it is a community-based platform. We are just getting started with it. But it's really a place that I would like to uh, foster a solutions-oriented, community-oriented, collaborative type of effort to really pull together in these challenging times and beyond. So you will notice in that group that there is no fear-based narrative. We're not hitting the panic button. And for me personally, I have really moved and shifted away from the shock, the panic, um, and so on, and moved into more of a solutions-oriented mode, okay? And I feel like today's episode really delivers solutions in a very, very different way, okay? And I'll get into that in just a second. So that's the first thing. You can uh, join that group. I would love to connect with you um, in person, quote-unquote, and uh, get to know you a little bit better, okay? Um, I have a couple of other announcements coming up, and I'm just going to sort of plant the seed here. But one of the challenges that many people are facing right now uh, are a number of things. But access to alternative healthcare is going to be a big problem for a lot of people. Whether that's having challenges with your physical location and not being able to go in to see your naturopath, your functional medicine doctor, your nutritionist, and perhaps not even being able to get to see your doctor as um, this pandemic uh, grows. Uh, when you couple that with a restricted access to food in many cases, a restricted access to natural health products, which we're starting to see now, right? products being sold out uh, and so forth. Uh, but also, we're all taking a financial hit. Okay, So a lot of people are, are now um, you know, struggling financially right out the gate, and, and we're very worried about that future. So what I'll be launching very soon is a community-based functional medicine program that is uh, essentially shared cost, okay? So shared cost care, and the primary focus is really gonna be those people who are considered high risk in the face of this pandemic. So uh, people with heart disease, with diabetes, with metabolic syndrome, uh, with high blood pressure. Okay, so that's really gonna be the focal point because uh, what we're starting to see is those high risk groups are the ones that are at the highest risk for complications from COVID-19. And so what I would like to do is to offer a solution and say, well, look, instead of looking at it from an infectious disease perspective, why don't we look at it and say, what if you got your blood sugar under control? What if you lost some weight? What if your blood pressure came down? What if you could lower your medication? And by sorting out the root cause, by restoring your health from the ground up, uh, that's actually going to lower your risk for complications, okay? So that's coming up. Um, it is really, again, a community-based effort and something that I was going to roll out in my local community, but given the circumstances, I think it's actually uh, timely uh, and, of course, almost mandatory at this point to put that up online. So just uh, stay tuned um, to the website, subscribe to the podcast so that you can uh, keep up to speed with that. So on to today's episode uh, today's episode is a very special episode for me. Um, it is an episode that I've wanted to record since episode one. But I feel, you know, as they say, timing is everything, right? And I feel that uh, today's episode could not have been timed any better. What we're witnessing out there in the public space is we're witnessing confusion. We're witnessing polarity. We're witnessing heated, polarizing politicized debates about what is going on and even if you consider yourself woke or consider yourself progressive or a thought leader i'm finding that 90 percent of the stories that we're listening to out there are very very fear-driven stories okay and people are pushing that same narrative in the public space 
And when you peel back the layers of that discussion, I think what it all boils down to is that there is something bigger that is going on with all of this. Okay, whether you want to believe that this is a man-made bioweapon, whether you want to believe that this is a conspiracy theory that is um, all being orchestrated, right? So people are calling this the pandemic. Whether you want to believe that this is a consequence of evolution or that this is just a freak accident of nature, whatever you believe actually doesn't really matter at this point. And here's why. When you take a step back, you're going to see that the systems that we have in place, the way that we are living our lives and our connection to Mother Earth, to spirit, are completely severed. And we're living in such an unsustainable way that we can simply not carry on living this way. So what this brings into focus is the fact that we're going to have to take a long, hard look at ourselves as individuals We're also going to have to take a long, hard look at the way we're living our lives. And these systems are not going to self-correct, right? These systems are not going to self-correct. It is going to require effort. And I think it's almost going to be something that will be born out of necessity. Okay, so we're starting to witness the early stages here of a global collective awakening of consciousness. And I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't tell you where this is all going to go, but When you listen to the teachings and the messages that Diane brings, uh, I think now is the time to unite, to pull together in the same direction and to actually learn from our differences. You know, if you look at nature, there is strength in biodiversity, right? Strength in biodiversity. So we need to look to our differences. We need to look to our different strengths. We need to find out who's best at doing what and pull together as a collective to move us forward into a better way of living. And yes, it's going to be difficult. Yes, there's going to be struggles. There's going to be some harsh realizations. But I want you to know that I feel, and the messages that we are going to talk about today I feel that not only is this going to be a very good thing when we come through it, I feel like it's an absolute necessity at this moment in time. So I'm going to leave it at that, all right? And I'm honored and proud to bring to you today um, one of my greatest teachers, uh, Diane Longboat. Hi, Diane. Um, wanted to thank you so much for taking the time out and uh, joining me today on the podcast. Thank you, Brett. It's great to be with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is actually one of those podcasts that I personally have dreamed about um, since I started podcasting. I've wanted to get you on the show for so long. And, you know, you and I have known each other for many years now, and I've sat in ceremony with you for many years And I just feel that where we are right now in the state of the world and with everything that's going on, um, you know, I really value and honor the teachings that you bring forward, as well as the teachings that the indigenous people have, not just here in North America, but around the world. So um, I would like for you to introduce yourself and, and maybe just give our audience a little bit of a snapshot about who you are and what you do, and then we can sort of go from there. Thanks so much. My Mohawk name is Gahandagwas, and it means she's picking sweetgrass. I'm Turtle Clan from Six Nations Grand River Territory, and I'm Ganyangehaga. I'm Mohawk. I'm really grateful um, to the legacy of my people for the powerful ceremonies that we have, the medicine societies that we have, and uh, for all the traditional teachings that form value systems that help you to stand strong in the world. And I'm always proud to say that I'm from Six Nations. I, um, I work right now at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, Canada's largest hospital for those challenges. And it's a, a major research center, not only in Canada, but in the world. And uh, we have a beautiful program there called Shkabe Makwa, the, the spirit of the bear is our helper. And in many indigenous traditions, the bear is the healer. And so really grateful to, um, to work at CAMH with a, a very gifted team of people. 
and to do great things in not only clinical services, but doing great things in research and policy development as well. So bringing some change into the system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that uh, you know, now is really the time for change. And I think that that will be a running theme throughout our conversation tonight. Um, but, you know, I, I, I want to um, actually just share with our audience what you are doing, because I think you sort of downplayed it a little bit. You've actually set up an indigenous wing, if you will, and uh, an indigenous medicine garden at CAMH. Is that right? Yes, it is. We um We've talked about that for a very long time at CAMH, and, you know, I want to uphold uh, Vern Harper, uh, Cree man, who was our first elder at CAMH in the Aboriginal Services Program, and Vern worked there for many years, and uh, following Vern, I, I worked there, and it was in the clinical division, so seeing clients and bringing traditional teachings and bringing traditional ceremony right across the spectrum to our our clients and to our patients was such a gift to me in my life. And sort of an outgrowth of that piece was always something that Vern had wanted, which was a sweat lodge. Mm. And so we worked really hard with the the folks in redevelopment. And with their 100% support, they, they laid maps on the table in front of us and gave us choices of where we could place our ceremonial area. And so I chose a place on the west end of the property and it has uh, medicine gardens. It has a sacred fire where we gather for traditional teachings and ceremonies like naming ceremonies and all kinds of healing ceremonies. And it also has a sweat lodge. So it is um, a really beautiful location at CAMH, and um, it's, it, it opened in June of 2016, and before I left to uh, move over into the research and policy division uh, of the Provincial Service uh, Support Program, I, um, that was late 2016, and from my time uh, building that, uh, ceremony grounds between 2013 and 2016. Um, it was such a powerful opportunity to see so many people come through those ceremony grounds. So I left the clinical division 2016, and by um, uh, June, it was about a year and a half, we had over a thousand people come through those ceremony gardens. Wow. Clients. Patients, um, people, uh, Indigenous spiritual leaders who are visiting the city, who are Sundance leaders. We had chiefs come through. We had health uh, directors come through from First Nation organizations. And the Governor General Leadership Council, many ministers of the provincial government. So profound interest in what we were doing to create a scenario at CAMH where traditional Indigenous healing practices and belief systems were valued as a healing modality alongside Western medicine. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that because I, I do believe that there's a harmony that can be, <clears throat> excuse me, that can be created between the two systems. And so we always look for that. We, um, we offer that opportunity to our clients and our patients when they call into CAMH to, to make it a choice between the, um, the, the programming that is offered to all Canadians or specific culturally based programming that's offered to First Nations, Inuit and Métis peoples. And so, you know, people will make a choice one or the other, or they can blend both of them together. And we find a lot of our clients and patients really get so much more out of that blending piece. And mm-hmm, so, you mm-hmm. know, we, we always support that. Well, I feel that there's, you know, there's obviously benefits to both sides of that, you know, whichever, whether you want to go left or right. But, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, having worked with you for so long and, and because I've known you for so long um, and listened to the teachings and sat in those ceremonies, uh, I, I feel like the Indigenous way is really a... Um, 
it's it's more of a of a reuniting with spirit, you know, with one's own spirit. And I feel like, especially in these times, um, you know, we're going to talk about that a fair bit tonight. Is the spiritual side of what's going on in the world right now? And you know, since we're talking about the mental health side of things, we may as well just continue, and then then we can sort of move on. But you know, something that you told me when we spoke off air was how the numbers of calls to CAMH for mental health. Um, you know, issues has really tripled in the last couple of weeks. So perhaps you want to speak to that a little bit more. I, I know that, um, you know, with the new buildings that we put up, um, we have a, a brand new emergency department that we're going to be opening up uh, this year. And they say that we've already outgrown it and we haven't even moved in there yet. So most of our, our people are coming in through um, the emergency department and um, that emergency department is, in, in my opinion, um, understaffed in terms of um, Indigenous navigators, Indigenous psychiatrists, Indigenous social workers. And so <clears throat> I think there's a, there's a huge investment that needs to be made there because that emergency department is now, I would say, the primary intake area for CAMH. And, um, you know, it's, it's grown way out of its capacity. And, and that's been the, the challenge for some years. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's a very loaded question and there's obviously many answers, but why, why are we seeing such a rise in mental health? Because this has not happened just in the last two or three weeks. I mean, this has been building up for many, many years and, you know, mental health has become uh, quite prominent um, in the world. And, you know, I'll, I'll just share a, a story from my side. You know, I remember sitting in ceremony, gosh, must have been 2007, 2008. And uh, I remember one of the teachings was that there was going to be a wave of depression and a wave of mental health that was going to come over us for many, many people. And what was so interesting is, you know, to just sort of sit with that in the back of your mind and then to just carry on with life and to now see where we are. Uh, so I don't know if you want to share any insights with that, uh, with our audience. Well, I remember that day in the lodge when we were sitting there in front of the sacred fire and we had our medicine bundles in front of us. And we had just finished uh, our prayers and our medicine songs. And I remember the spirit visiting us that day and telling us that the greatest challenge to humanity in the coming years would be uh, mental health. And, you know, as much as, as, much as we see um, that in the Americas, we have a pretty good lifestyle, particularly in North America, you know, we suffer from a profound disease of loneliness. And so you can see kind of where that's evolving. Um, you can see in various parts of the world where the land has been destroyed and where indigenous cultures are under threat, that there's also challenge to mental health. So wherever, wherever you see the land speaking to you from its degradation, its destruction, wherever there's waters upon the earth that have been uh, polluted and mine tailings going into beautiful streams that support salmon life and where you see plastic in the oceans and even today in the ice in the, in the Arctic Ocean. You know, all of that points to a contravention of the natural laws of Mother Earth. And as human family, we're the only living beings on Mother Earth that have been gifted by the Creator with free will and a mind to be able to use that free will and that mind in a good way or in a ego-centered way where greed predominates. And I think we can see where, where we are at today because, because we did contravene those natural laws. And so when you do that, you create imbalance within yourself, your family, your community, and in the world. And that imbalance is playing itself out so beautifully today, where you can see the haves and the have-nots. <clears throat> you can see um, an American health system that serves rich people through insurance companies 
but the poor walk in that country with little or no options for health care. So, you know, what, what we're seeing is not only have the natural laws been contravened, but the imbalance that has been created from that process is now playing out in the human family. So we can't, we cannot go beyond those natural laws and say, we're going to dominate the earth. We're going to control everything. We're going to take what we want. We don't ever have to be grateful for what we have. This earth is ours for the taking. Like that mentality is a death mentality. It is the mentality that will cause the current systems that we have, whether it's government, the legal system, the court system, the health system, the education system, the social safety net that we have, those will collapse. The empire will collapse. And hmm. I think that's what we're seeing all around us today is, hmm. you know, if you're unbalanced as a human being, the world around you is going to be unbalanced. Mm-hmm. And really, I mean, you know, many of these teachings, uh, they, they go back so far, you know, the, the sages and the mystics thousands of years ago, when you start tapping into things like Ayurvedic teachings and yogic teachings, I mean, that's really what they talk about, right, is, you know, the, the universe inside of you, and you, you are the environment, you are your environment. And I feel, you know, from, from my side anyway, I feel like for so long, we acknowledged that, we knew that, we lived in harmony with that to some degree. And, you know, perhaps you want to elaborate on that. At some point along our path, we, we somehow forgot that we were caretakers and stewards of, of the land and of Mother Earth. And somehow we just, we were all in it for ourselves. And I think if we look at the last... 30 years, 20 years with the development of technology, um, that's just reinforced all of that. And I feel taken it to the brink. Mm-hmm. I really, I really think that, um, you know, going back to indigenous knowledge systems and stories of creation are really helpful for people in the world in general to know about. And, you know, that's not, that's not uh, sharing our ceremonies. What that is, is sharing traditional knowledge systems that will help us to restore that balance. Because in those original teachings, they talk about the creation of the world and the duties and the responsibilities that human family have for taking care of creation. And, you know, um, there's so much degradation in the world today, and we see we see how we've turned the absolute degradation of Mother Earth, we've turned it on ourselves now. The fact that there's more Indigenous children in care today, in foster care today, than at the height of the residential school system. Like that statistic alone is appalling, and that should call society's attention to the needs of Indigenous children. Removed from their communities, removed from their languages, their cultures, and that very, very critical attachment. You know, if you don't have attachment in your young years, then, you know, you can just bet on the trajectory of that individual's life. And yet thousands and thousands of Indigenous children are taken from their families, their communities, and, you know, have to end up trying to heal their whole lives to try to get some semblance of balance again. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we, when we talk about those original teachings, we talk about responsibilities and duties to the natural world, to each other, and the human family. And those, are, those teachings, no one knows how old those teachings are. They say, you know, the Creator gave them to us at the beginning of time. So that we would know how to live in this place that he created, he, she, they created for us. Um, And so, you know, what are those teachings? What are those values? What is it that indigenous uh, peoples and and nations have that they can share with the world that are going to bring people's minds back to a place of peace? A place of understanding, deep understanding, and a place where where we can begin to forgive each other for mm. the genocide 
that we have committed upon each other in the waves of history throughout throughout human history we have we have created waves of genocide upon each other and nobody knows you know how to colonize better than those who have been colonized so your hmm. question really goes really goes back to the 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 beginning you know how was it when we were fresh and new on the earth as human family how did we interact with each other how did we con- communicate with spirit to be able to get our knowledge systems and ways of being in learned practice here on the earth because we always say that we come from the stars so when we say that we mean that we have to learn how to live here on the earth in this place that the creator made for us so we go back to our traditional knowledge systems in every indigenous nation to be able to understand what are those sacred duties that we have here on the earth to be able to to fulfill in a way that will bring peace that will bring abundance that will bring um sharing and caring for one another upholding each other with difference and seeing difference as a rich opportunity to learn from each other so wow. you know all of those those values are so so important and yet we're not manifesting those values because people have forgotten their original teachings and when you forget that it's easy to turn from the creator to forget who the creator is to to engage in degradation of the land and resources and the natural world the beings in the natural world you know what we're facing now is is with this covid-19 virus is possible extinction of the human family possible huh. extinction and so haven't we created degradation on the earth where species have been ex- become extinct like we look at the the website for the world wildlife fund the last time i yeah. looked at it made, it made me cry that you know 62% of the population of the world's you know, animals and plants and biodiversity is gone we as human beings have created that extinction but you know the the natural laws say whatever you do to the earth you do to yourself so now what have we done to ourselves to create this extinction through covid-19 virus that is moving across the face of the earth it's it's it's, it's natural law whatever you give up is going to come back to you yeah and i mean it's it's inevitable in that sense and i think part of that is because we we have become a, a we're not part of nature anymore in our own minds you know we have been so disconnected from nature that we think that we are above the laws of nature that we live outside of nature and when you look at the economy is a fantastic example you know everyone is so concerned about the economy right now and rightfully so you know we all need we need money to survive and you know pragmatic day-to-day life but the very few people recognize and remember that every single thing that that fuels that economy comes from the earth it all comes yeah. from natural resources but economists will say that that's an externality that they don't matter and you sort of have to wonder to yourself if you're operating a linear system on a finite planet at some point you got to hit the wall and things are going to run out things are going to be polluted things systems are going to break down and degrade and because we are nature because we are intricately connected with our environment we are naturally going to follow suit and i think that's what's happening now but i wanted to to also ask you you know um the way that i've sort of looked at this anyway and you know you and i have spoken about this outside of the podcast i really feel like we're we're moving into a completely different way of life after this you, you know like a lot of people i hear out there a lot of people are sort of thinking that you know well it's going to be 3 weeks and then let's go back to the way that we were living or well it's going to be 6 months and then we'll go back to how things were and i just can't get into that you know i i think that this is really the moment where a lot of these systems that are not sustainable anymore are going to have to have a complete overhaul and recalibration so that we can change tack and uh, you know I, again i would just love to get your insight on that because i know we've spoken about that before 
Well, I, I really like to, you know, think that these systems are going to self-evaluate, but, you know, systems don't do that. Systems uh, just keep running in and of themselves. This time period that we live in right now and the fact that this microbe has brought humanity to its knees, it can bankrupt our economic system. It can completely change the way we live, the way we eat, the, the way that we interact with each other. You know, and I think, you know, as, as horrific as this virus is, and, you know, just because you make it through one wave doesn't mean, you know, it's over. There's a second wave that's coming and maybe a third. And how do we know, you know, there isn't a fourth? So, you know, coming through this time period, I think we need to self-evaluate, self-reflect as human beings on what is important to us in our lives. What is it that we value above all things? What is it that we are prepared to fight for? What is it that we are prepared to engage our leadership on so that change does happen? And, you know, God bless these millennials and all the young people underneath that age group because they're the ones that have a really clear view of what we need to do going forward. They're going to be our next wave of leaders and things are going to be different under their watch. I have no doubt in that. And, you know, you see uh, little Greta Thunberg and you see... Um, Autumn Peltier and a lot of our, our young people who are standing up now in their very early teens and they're talking at the United Nations, they're talking in front of the leaders of the world in many different forums at the World Economic Forum and they're challenging, you know, the, 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 the mind of these individuals who believe that they're in power, you know, and, and what I want to say about that is that that is an illusion. That sense of economic power to control the world and to control society is an illusion. And the ones who are seeing clearly through that illusion are the young people. So I have a lot of respect for them and I uphold them because they're the movers and shakers. They're the ones with the energy to bring that change forward. But they also, as young people, need the support and the guidance and the wisdom of elders to be able to um, initiate the change that's needed. So, you know, that's, um, I think we're living in a profound, profoundly transformational time. And I know, you know, that with these months as they pass by where we're quarantined, that, um, you know, there's a, a huge amount of self-reflection that is going on within families. Mm -hmm. And people, people are really looking at how are we living and are we happy living this way? And what is it about this economic system that is creating economic slavery in our countries of the world? What is that system and why does that system need to implode, collapse, and rebuild? Mm -hmm. And I feel that that is exactly what is what is happening and what is coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, if you just think about people who are perhaps your age and, you know, contrast that and think about back when you were, I don't know, or people your age were in their 20s, think about what life mm -hmm. was like then versus someone who's in their 20s now. And, you know, mm -hmm. you, you think about trying to um, buy a home in a city and start a family and, you know, have the things, quote unquote, that our parents have and our grandparents have. And that's a pipe dream for most people. They, they, they just, it's, you cannot get by. I mean, in a city like Toronto, where your average rent for an apartment is $2,300, you need to, as an individual, you need to be making $80,000 per year just to be yeah. able to afford that. And, you know, all these, these kids coming out of college, um, you know, they've got degrees, they've got, you know, education, and they can't make 80 grand right out the gates. So mm -hmm. where, where do you go from there? You know, and so I think you're, you're spot on in terms of the younger generation sort of now on mass is saying, well, look, we're all slowly falling into the have not category. 
and this is yeah. not sustainable clearly so there needs to be an uprising um you know springing from there but do do you feel you know and again i don't want to put you on the spot but do you feel that we are in the early stages of a revolution or an uprising or whatever you want to call it i think we're in the stage of consciousness raising hmm. and um that is that is always the stage of establishing one's own values and what they're prepared to fight for in terms of being um, bringing change. And when I say fight for it, I don't mean, you know, the violence and the battle and that kind of thing. What I mean is that they're going to push for change in a way that we've never seen before. En masse, thousands, millions, there's going to be a change, whether these systems want to change or not, because there's, there is no way that following this particular global event that we can assume that things are ever going to go back to normal. There is no, no, no more normal. There is a new normal, and that's the one that we have to co-create together. And that's where Indigenous knowledge systems have to take center stage because they're the ones that connect you to the land. They're the ones that help you to understand your duties and responsibilities to the land and help you to to see yourself within creation, not above creation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether you're Indigenous in, in Siberia or you're Indigenous in um, Malaysia, those Indigenous peoples who understand a sacred and spiritual connection to the land are our most valuable people. They're the ones that are going to provide the sacred and spiritual guidance to move us forward. Because that's essentially, you know, in a nutshell, why are we in this position that we're in today? Because we've we've become ego-centered, not Mm heart-centered. We have become uh, mind-dominated, not spirit-dominated. We have separated spirituality from the way that we live and do our work. And so when you do that, you essentially say to the creator, you got a place in my life, but it's over here and it's only in my own personal ceremony. And when I close my medicine bundle and I walk out into the world, I can be whoever I want in that world. It doesn't work like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, mm-hmm. what I want to really drive home here is the importance of spirit, the importance of a spiritual belief and a connection to the world of the ancestors, to the world of spirit beings who are still dominant in that place of peace. Some people would call it heaven, you know. They're dominant there. They're waiting to be called, you know, to help us through these challenging times. And yet people, if people don't believe in them or they've forgotten how to make a connection to them, then we're in real trouble. Because now we're just running around in a state of chaos like human beings. We're like little kids not knowing what to do. And the house is burning down. That's where we're at today. The house is burning down. And, you know, that's who's got the, the sacred waters, you know, to put out the fire. Indigenous nations have those sacred waters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just such such powerful words and powerful teachings and, um you know, the work that you are doing, um, the road that you've traveled and the places that you've been, I know that you are, um, you know, together with your community, uh, you are doing this work. So I just want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for the message that you're bringing, because uh, I don't think that the importance can be overstated. You know, now, now is the time. And, you know, I've set up a community space for people online, because obviously we're all in isolation. and. Um, you know, one of the sort of real thrusts of that community space for me and is, is really about, it's really about letting go of fear, moving away from panic, stepping into a genuine, heart-centered, community-based, cooperative-based approach moving forward. Because, you know, what I feel social media has really done uh, to something you said earlier it's just polarized people. You know, the, the world is so polarized on every single topic, on every single front, whether it's political, 
whether it's environmental, whether it's sustainability, whatever topic you want to pick, people are so divided. And I really feel like now is the time that we cannot afford to be like that anymore. We, we, we cannot. And for someone who's sat in and listened to your teachings and listened to the indigenous teachings for so many years, you know, one thing um, that I remember was there was a time where, you know, I really worked so hard with your people to figure out my own way and to figure out the work that I needed to do. And as I got busier with my work and with my family, there was a moment of sadness for me because I couldn't be in those ceremonies as much anymore. And I remember one day, one of our brothers uh, came to me and said, you know, your work now is out there and you don't need to be here all the time. You don't need to be at the fire all the time. And the reason why I bring that up is because something you said, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not necessarily just about lighting sage and sitting down and, you know, praying and meditating for five minutes and then carrying on with your life. It's about how you treat other people. It's about how you walk in your own life. And if everyone taps into that, the world will literally be transformed before our eyes. I believe that, I believe that um, you know, the sacred fire that we have burning in our lodge is a very special fire because it came from vision. And it came from a spiritual mandate to, um, to light a fire of peace. And mm. it was the buffalo that said, to that fire of peace, the nations of your people will come for their healing and their renewal and resurgence of, of their cultures. And when I was strong enough that the doors of that lodge would open to the white people, black people, and yellow people, because they were equally searching for the essence of the creator, the essence of the meaning of life, and how to express that meaning of life in the world. And so, you know the doors of our lodge opened so that we could offer that to people, not to, not to change them into being in indigenous in our tradition, mm -hmm. but to offer them an opportunity to sit at a fire that had such a powerful essence of the creator in it that they could make their own prayers to find their own way. So I really appreciate what you've said because, you know, the fire grows your spirit it mm -hmm. strengthens you for the work you need to do in the world and you know one of the the ceremonies that we had a number of years ago now uh, we <clears throat> typically will go after midwinter ceremonies in our longhouse we typically go into the lodge and light our own sacred fire and we ask that that sacred fire what is it you know that would be our spiritual mandate for this coming year how do we serve you best creator in this coming cycle and we, we get many different kinds of, of directions because that fire came from a vision and it was lit in 1994. And so we'd ask, you know, each year. So this final year that we asked that question was probably about, I want to say six, seven years ago now, asking that question and the creator's voice boomed in, inside that lodge and it said, take the fire into the world. And we, we thought at the time, you know, it was a really clear message. We, we thought um, at the time, well, we're doing a lot of international work. You know, we're teaching in different places. The fire is traveling. We're taking ceremonies. We're helping people to heal. You know, um, we're traveling among our own First Nations. There's a resurgence of culture among our own people that is just magnificent. And yet, you know, when, when I was offered that opportunity to work at CAMH and work inside um, a structure, uh, a corporate structure, a clinical structure, you know, I was never really sure how that fire was going to manifest in the world. But what I understand to be the truth today is that our journey is to change those systems that exist. That's where it's at. Mm -hmm. We need to change the systems that exist so that they are compassionate systems, that they are altruistic, that they are <clears throat> loving and caring systems, that they are equitable for all people, that they uphold the beautiful um, diversity of humanity and not value one over the other. So, you know, we have some real 
changes that we need to be able to bring to the world. But it's the spiritual people from all traditions that are going to lead that change because you can only bring change spiritually with mm-hmm. a spiritual conviction and spiritual power that we have not yet seen manifest in those, in those systems. And that's where the fundamental error is. You cannot separate the creator from the systems that are working to serve the people. When, when George Washington, Benjamin Franklin were, were developing, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence for the United States, you know, there was, there, they separated church from their politics, from their government. They separated that. And that was the, the single most fundamental error that they made in designing their government system. Because nowhere are those politicians in any colonial government system, not just the U.S., none of them feel that they are responsible to the creator for their decisions and for their actions. And that is human failure in a nutshell. Hmm. Hmm. So what, what do you feel um, is, you know, I, I don't want to leave our listeners hanging. Um, at this moment in time, I mean, we're sitting here March 24th, we're recording. I think that we have many long weeks and months ahead of us um, as we work through this change, this crisis, uh, whatever you want to call it. What do you feel at this point? Because I, I would, I would 100% I'm going to get you back on, um, you know, in the very near future, because I want to bring these teachings out. But for our listeners today, what are a couple of things or, or how do you see the road forward right now? Um, because people, I still, you know, people are panicking, we're directionless, we don't really know which way to go. So do you have any guidance for us today? I think um, I think it's a human it's human nature when you are used to something and then somebody takes it away from you that you don't know how to behave you don't know how to relate to anyone you you live in a state of trauma this is a traumatic event you know and and as much as you know we're all experiencing it now when <clears throat> when this cools down you know. We're going to see the rise in mental illness like we've never seen it before. And the, the, the people that are going to be flocking to get the help that they need to stabilize themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, my, my best advice is that, you know, in this time period that we have, <clears throat> that individuals um, reach for a faith tradition. No matter, and, you know, your listeners are all across the board in terms of, you know, cultures and faith traditions and racial backgrounds and languages and so on, which is really beautiful. But, you know, not everybody has a practicing tradition. And so I, I really encourage your listeners to develop uh, a practicing, a daily spiritual discipline, a practicing faith tradition that is good for you, mm-hmm. that, that stabilizes you in your spirit, your heart, your mind, and your body so that you can start to feel grounded in what is going on, that you don't fear, that you don't panic, that, you know, you know that the creator has everything in control. That's, you know, that's, that's how I live my life. Yeah. You know, I've gone through a lot of um, trauma in my own life and, and trauma recently, but, you know, I, I always say the creator has a reason for everything that happens. The creator has control. And when I give up, I must, as a human being, give up control of my life to the creator. Then magnificent things happen. Mm. So, you know, mm. we're all, we're all going to face rough, rough times and, and difficult challenges. But meeting those challenges with, uh, with faith, with a positive mind, with a with a good heart, with understanding what is peace, understanding what is love, what is forgiveness, what is compassion. You know, we're, we're going to make it through this and we're going to thrive on the other end. And um, we'll never, and what I like to think about that makes me happy every day is that we're never going to go back to be the same as what we were. This, 
this is the crucible. This is the turning point. This is the transformational piece that is going to bring humanity to its knees. Hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of people hearing that, um, you know, automatically because change, most people don't like change. And I think, you know, I've always looked at this and said, I'm, I'm optimistic. You know, I really feel like there needs to be a change. We, we cannot keep going like we have been going. So I just, uh, you know, th thank you so much for your wisdom, for your teachings and um, for everything that you're doing. And I, I know that you folks out there listening to this, uh, for many of you, uh, especially longtime listeners of the show, uh, no doubt this is resonating with you. And the reason why Diane and I wanted to get together just to sort of wrap us up here is, you know, something that you actually said to me, Diane, you know, you said we need hope nowadays. That, 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 that's the one thing that we really need. And for you guys listening out there, I don't see a lot of hope in the public discourse and the rhetoric out there. You know, there's a lot of fear-driven activity. There's a lot of fear-driven narrative. There's panic. And I think from my side, I would like to encourage us all to uh, pull together as a community, to pull together in the same direction, to put our differences aside and learn from one another, um, but move again into that uh, place of love and peace and cooperation, because I think it's the only way we're going to get through this. And there, there's, there's no other way. And um, we're definitely not going to get through it as individuals on our own. Uh, I can't see that happening. So, um, so thank you, Diane, uh, you know, so much. And I think, uh, as I said, I want to get you back on the show more frequently and uh, perhaps um, some of your community members who have teachings to offer. And that would be very valuable for people around the world. So any final words from your side, Diane? Well, I just want to congratulate the listeners because I see that Toronto is pretty much a, a ghost town and that people are following direction. And I, what I want to say is that, um, you know, help each other, be kind to each other and uh, be compassionate to one another. Share what you have because there's a law out there. And that law is the more that you give, the more that you receive. And so, you know, never, never fear scare, scarcity. Never fear that because we live in a place of abundance. When you give and you share and you help others, much, much more will come back to you. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you for your patience. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show today. And um, for everyone listening out there, I truly hope you enjoyed today's show. This, this particular episode is a very special episode for me. Um, this is a highlight in the podcast um, for me. You know, it's been three years, three and a half years now. And this was one that I had earmarked from day one. Uh, so I hope to bring you more of this. And um, you have yourself a beautiful day wherever you are. Thanks so much for tuning in.